Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ever dance with the devil in the pale light? I always ask out of all my prayers. I just like the sound. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hello and welcome to Podcast Seconds 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989. Fucking up a broom closet here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. <laughs> and I'm Phyllis Cove. I wasn't going to say fucking up, but it just kind of came out that way. It's true. Drop the F-bombs. Come on. Drop the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> With us today, Toby Herman is back to Hi, talk guys. about... Lick, thank you for coming on, Toby. Oh my God, thank you for having me. This is the most exciting thing to happen about 1989, besides my bat mitzvah and the Taylor Swift album. <laughs> oh yeah, well there you That's go. True. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. Besides my bat mitzvah, one, <laughs> two. I, one, two. <laughs> Phil, I think Phil would have Taylor Swift. I might album, have Taylor above Toby's bat mitzvah, mitzvah. I mean, you know. Um, but is that we don't we never we never talk about 1989 the Taylor Swift album. It is my favorite Taylor Swift album. I know it's interesting. Not Phil, it's Phil's favorite Taylor Swift no, album. It's not my Taylor. But well, I, Kenny, I really do love it. When you want to go there, you have my number. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you love it or do you not love it? <clears throat> oh, I love it. I think it has I, uh, like I some like just just incredible songs on that album. I think it's I don't mean to suggest I don't like it. It's delicious. Hmm? I love it. It's just not my I, favorite Taylor Swift. No, I figured. I, I figured you didn't dislike it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this is not about Taylor Swift's, Taylor Swift's album, it's 1989. Not. It is about uh, the films of 1989, correct? Including Turner and Hooch, a movie I would not have guaranteed we would have covered at the beginning of this. You know, it's funny. We Kenny and I put together a list. 
like sort of the like, you know, the 1989 list that you would imagine, right? Mm. And then it kind of kept growing because there were these other movies that were like, but wait, this would be fun to do as well. And I liked this There's movie as so a kid. There's so many good movies yeah. in 1989. I mean, like, I think Phil and I kind of feel like that, at least the the top tier, mm-hmm. the, 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 the top tier seems a little stronger than even eight, 99. There might be more better movies in, in 99, but like these really, really top, top movies are really strong. But Turner and Hooch is an interesting one. I thought Turner and Hooch sucked, and I think I'm wrong. I think Turner and Hooch is awesome. So, like, <laughs> I, 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 you don't like it, Toby? I didn't say that. I, you, you, you rolled your, you rolled you your, eyes, roll your eyes and your neck. So, <laughs> we, well, Toby and I were texting about this a little bit because. I was sensing a little bit of I don't shade, let's say about what's Turner going Hooch. on, Toby. And and then I I also was like I had to be clear with her that I it occurred to me as I watched this film the other day that I saw this film a lot as a kid, but like kind of put it away in the back of my head. It just wasn't a movie that I ever really thought about. And then within five minutes, I was like, oh, I know every beat of this movie. I've seen this movie a lot. And it, I've got a soft spot for this movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's I I think it's got a lot of good shit in it. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I I'm a sucker for hooch. I'm not touching that. So I understand <laughs> having deep feelings for a movie that is not technically good. Like I mm-hmm. have probably seen Leap Year more than the people who actually produced the movie. I understand <laughs> what that feels like, and a lot of the movies that I am either nostalgic for or hold very, very like strong feelings about are not necessarily good. Um, Regardless, this is not one of them. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. All right. So, so let's, let's recalibrate because I assumed you'd like this movie because you chose this movie. Did you not choose this movie? As, I okay. sent her the list of the movies that were available, and she came back to me, and Turner and Hooch was one of the films. Okay. So that's a, a reasonable way to get here. I mean, I saw it in the theater growing up. I remember it, and, I mean, it's Tom Hanks. I wanted to revisit it, so it's not like there was no gun to my head. <laughs> uh, well, I, I thought it was the opposite. I thought you put the gun to our head. So, I, <laughs> so no, all right. So, so, so now it. I have to kind of like recalibrate my thinking. Sure. I, I very rarely, um, in this podcast, I think, am the person who is championing a movie where I think Phil sounds like he's you know half good. Hey, you know, he's he's more or less you know. Center, center right into it. Mm-hmm. And Toby, it sounds like you hate it. Uh, no, that's just me. No, I don't hate it. I have feelings and thoughts, but I don't hate it. All right. Can I, so can I ask a question? Can mm-hmm. I ask a question, Toby? Yeah. I, I think. <laughs> I think that this movie is trying to do a lot of things, and I'm. It's trying to do two things. <laughs> One, I would say it does slightly better than the other. I don't think that the, that the for, for instance, that the romantic storyline of this movie is, I, I actually, I mean, I enjoy Tom Hanks and, and Mayor Winningham. I think they're quite charming together and they have a nice chemistry. Uh, I was very happy to see them come together again for News of the World, which I saw recently, and they're in that. So that was a nice reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but like I don't think that she's really given much to do necessarily. Agreed. And I'm wondering if part of and it's completely fair that part of your maybe frustrations with this film have to do with the fact that they're it's a it's a, a pretty masculine movie. Um the romance is my favorite thing in the movie. Let's get this all out on the table. I I, I don't want to. I don't want to keep guessing, Toby. Yeah. What are your feelings about this film? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring it. Um, overall, I think it's a very confused movie. I think there were like forty-two writers or something like that. Well, we'll talk about yeah. the writing credits. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It is halfway through the movie before we get a decent scene. And then there's this like fantastic rom-com-esque, like almost, dare I say, Nora Ephron-ish monologue that I'm like, oh, now you have me. Now I'm into this movie. Now it's actually good for a minute. So let's keep going on this track. It's like they, it's like they switched um, the entire... I was going to say writer's room. It, it's a movie. It doesn't have a room, but it kind of did. It had so many writers. Um, I feel like they switched the entire production staff halfway through. Like they just cleared out and it, then it became a completely separate movie halfway through. Well, so let's just, let's just talk for a quick second. You, you brought up the writers, so we should talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. There's, there are, um, there are five writers, two teams and a, and a solo writer. Um, Dennis Shirak and Michael Blodgett, Blodgett? Uh, Daniel Petrie Jr. and Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Petrie, Cash, Epps oh, are, are I know, all I know where you're going, guys. Yeah. yeah. So what you have is Petrie does Beverly Hills Cop, Cash and Epps wrote Top Gun. Um, I don't know, the, unfortunately, the credits of the, of the earlier team. And I think it feels to your point, and I agree with you, that there's a, there is a sort of schizophrenic component to it. Like the, the crime stuff is uh, kind of Beverly Hills copy. In a way, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, and then I think that the um, the the Mayor Winningham stuff. Uh, I don't I don't know who wrote that, obviously, but it feels like a different movie, mm-hmm. and it feels like Hanks locks into that stuff in a way that he doesn't really lock into the crime stuff. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? I wanna. Uh, well, I mean, it's I, I'm st- I'm still even <laughs> wrestling with how to approach this podcast. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't will, mean to blindside you. Oh, I, it's okay. No, 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 no. That's fine. I, this is great. So <laughs> I'll give you my my history with Turner and Hooch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very limited. I truly saw Turner and Hooch once in my life before this on an airplane oh. about 30 years ago. <laughs> so so th- this is what I remember about Turner and Hooch. Finding it a very stressful and secondhand embarrassing watch on an airplane with other people. Because I find the slobber to be so <laughs> incredibly revolting. And to sit on an airplane with a hundred strangers and feeling almost as if I have to carry the burden of this movie because it's clearly aimed towards nine-year-olds, you know, like little nine-year-olds who love guns and gross-out humor. I found that very stressful. Now, I've always associated Turner and Hooch 
in my head with with that feeling of like the slobber. It's all I ever remembered was the slobber going into this, and it's hard to forget. And, and, and also, what I consider to be a pretty stupid premise, right? Like ultimately, like I just remember thinking like Turner and Hooch is like a it's a joke premise, and it's a stain and an embarrassment on Tom Hanks's career. So I came into it with very low expectations, sure. like like. I have great respect for Toby, so I thought maybe this is pretty good if Toby wants to do it, but I did not even want to do this movie because it's embarrassing to to even put it on our Twitter feed. I think the most upsetting thing about that is that you have a lot of respect for me. Like, I want to... Oh, Go come on. There. We have tons of respect for you, Toby. <laughs> you, uh, I have a lot of respect for you as, as a human, but you also, like, you know, you rode so hard for uh, Walk on the Moon, which turned like, me around Phil, on that. Phil yep. and I talk about a lot. Like, we really yep. love that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, we do get turned around here and there, but, like, you know, we only get turned around by people we respect. We've had some guests recently that don't really respect that much. So, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, kidding. I'm just joking. This is a Patreon. Don't worry. Um, so, don't worry. No one's paying for them. So, what? So, what I wanted to like say is is, and this is not the best way to look at it. This is why I'm like recalibrating in the moment. Is like, how serious are you guys taking this film? Because I feel like you're almost <clears throat> approaching it like it's meant to be taken seriously which it might be but 32 years later i'm taking it like really not seriously and pleasantly surprised that there is you know to me a workable plot and a somewhat compelling plot i found the you know the chemistry between turner and hooch to be really fucking charming i thought the mayor winningham stuff was really charming and i absolutely love young tom hanks i love old tom hanks but young Tom Hanks brings something to the party that we don't get very often, and uh, it's a real treat. I, 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 I well, honestly, I, I found it found it to be a treat watching this film. So I just want to preemptively just say something here um, before, and I obviously very much want to hear what you have to say, Toby. But the reason that this got put on the list, or quite frankly, I put this on the list, was because we have two Tom Hanks movies in '89. We have this, and we have The Burbs, um, and it, it's it is a bit of a fulcrum point in in Hanks's career. Um, shortly thereafter, we get you know this is this is kind of a brutal movie for him in the sense that like it's not a movie that's particularly respected. He then walks into a thrasher for Bo- uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, and and that's kind of the low point of like, can I even rebound from this? He does League of the Ar- Their Own, and we obviously know where he goes from there, but. I put it on here because I felt like it's a fun movie and I wanted to see it up against or next to The Burbs and Joe versus the Volcano, which are all kind of clumped together. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about. It, I, we wouldn't have done it, quite frankly, unless someone, if I gave the list to someone and someone picked it. And because Toby picked it with other films, just to be clear, Toby didn't say like, just Turner and Hooch with a bullet. Like she obviously <laughs> wanted other films. Um, but, but she picked Turner and Hooch and I was like, you know, I love Toby. I'm sure we'll be able to have a great conversation about this film. Um, I'm not taking it particularly seriously. I watched this film. Kenny, I imagine you, you mentioned you watched it with your kids. I imagine your kids loved it, right? Who loved it? Now we're, you know, we're a dog family, but like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought like it would be an insult to call my kids Hooch. And my daughter has re- has requested I refer to her as Hooch. Now. She loves Hooch so much. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, and but, my kids um, are my kids are eight. Yeah. My kids are the exact age I would have been when I watched it when I was a kid. 
And I guess, you know, I guess they're, they're, just, they're just more evolved than me. They don't find they have the bodily functions of another living creature to be disgusting the way I do. Can I, can I, I just, and I'm going to say one other thing, and I'm sorry, this is a bit of a, this is a tangent, but I got to do it. I'm watching, I thought of you last night, Kenny, because of how repulsed you are, I know, by cheese. Yeah, disgusting. And finds cheese disgusting. And that, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's your prerogative. I watched the Stanley Tucci. <laughs> I watched the Stanley Tucci CNN show that he has, where he's going to Italy. I don't know if yeah. you guys have heard about this. You should yeah. watch it. It's great. I mean, I watched CNN and they put ads on every three seconds. Right. So okay, sure. So I, I say all this because he goes to the place where they make buffalo mozzarella, like like the you know, and watching them churn it, and I. <laughs> was like Kenny wouldn't be able to watch this. So that's all that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kenny, but I, I daughter, just my my daughter today made her own Caesar salad dressing. Oh yeah? How you old would imagine she's eight. I mean she's the coolest and she's hooch. But <laughs> she made her own she like she my wife and I she's neither huge. of us eat neither of us eat mustard or mayonnaise. So my son doesn't eat it. My other kids don't eat it. My, my daughter just has jumped into all these, you know, dressings and sauces and now is like experimenting. So she basically made a mustard salad tonight. It was, I was ready to jump off the roof. So it's like, <laughs> all right. So Toby, 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 welcome to the podcast. Hi guys. Thanks do you remember, me. do you remember when you saw this film for the first time? Was it <laughs> two days ago? <laughs> <laughs> no, briefly. I mean, or yeah. that's not the right word. Um, yeah. I know I saw it in the theater. I kind of lump it together in my head with like Dragnet and Adventures sure. in Babysitting and just these um, big kind of big. Is that another one? Big. The no, big left a huge impression on me, and I look right. at that as like an elevated performance yeah, comparatively. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, this is like a summer fun movie, like not quite Goonies by any means, but. You know, just one of those, you know, you go um, and you see it in the summer. So, of course, now you tell me probably it came out in like February or something, right? Um, no, no, it came out July 28th, right in the summer. There you go. So, um, yeah, I remember seeing it. Um, I don't know that I've seen it since. Um, going into it, I thought I would have more nostalgic feelings for it. I thought I would like fall back into it for the same reasons that you were mentioning, yeah. Phil. And I didn't like, I truly didn't hate it. And I understand its place in our lives, but I just think the movie is so confused and this isn't holding it up against, you know, the best films that have ever been made. I just think the movie doesn't know what it is. And as me now, I bumped on that. Did you feel the direct, so the director was originally Henry Winkler. Oh yes. And then Henry Winkler left, departed, was fired, depending on how you, I, I don't know. I'm sure we can dig into this some more because I know that him and Hanks didn't get along. He, I think his That's words were fucking crazy. Is that not so crazy? This is my favorite thing about the entire movie. Please, is please, that please. The two yeah. nicest men in Hollywood fucking <laughs> hated each other. So that is Henry Winkler, bad. this is amazing. Henry Winkler was on the shoot for 13 days, I believe. Yeah. And then he left. Um, a few years ago, he was on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, and he 
was had a call asking him about the film and he basically summed it up that he got along better with Hooch than Turner. Um, and then I did a, a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, Ron Howard happens to hold a significant place in both Tom and Henry's yeah. lives. And apparently both men sought out Ron's advice and like leaned on him after this. Cause they were also kind of, it seems like they were all kind of like, how is this happening? This is so unfortunate, but also we can't work together. It's so insane to me. I, I, that, I, I, I like, it's so like catnip. Crazy. I love it. I want more. <laughs> I, I, I know Henry fairly well because oh. my kids are uh, very close with his grandkids. Mm-hmm. And I have spent like a lot, of, a lot of time with him. I like at his house and Jewish holidays and whatever. Like we've got. Like, I love I, that I know for you. It's <laughs> no, that was is, genuine. Like that makes me I very happy. You. Let me tell you about Henry Winkler. He, so there are three kids, three kids in that family, and we were like, you know, we were in like that that group of friends where like if like the little kids have a birthday, my twins get invited, right? So the little kids, one of the little kids had a birthday and it's some, you know, it's three boys, some, a very boy themed birthday party. And my daughter, cause I have twins, right? Eight year old twins. My daughter's like basically the only girl there and she doesn't want to get in- involved. So she's kind of sitting off to the side. Henry takes her hand, sits down with her in front of a plate of crudite and they go through each piece together. Dipping into the different dressings, all the things that I find revolting, and going and, and, and talking, and she's like fucking five at the time, and talking through all of these vegetables, like giving her his undivided attention. He is a prince. Like I, I cannot, I cannot overstate it. The man sweats nice beads. Like the idea that anybody would not get along with him is lunacy. To like he's the man. Of, of Menches, right? Oh, Menches. Well, everyone the was so happy when he won the Emmy for Barry because mm-hmm. they were just like Henry Winkler is having like a renaissance. Like mm-hmm. it's this, it's it's yeah, yeah. So they didn't get along. Movie. But I do wonder whether or not they bring in another director. Roger Spottiswood takes mm-hmm. over for him. Um, who Did a great I looked job. at his. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at his credits. He he did do a Bond movie. He did Tomorrow Never Dies, which is a fine Bond movie. It's not a great Bond movie. But I actually think that this film, on a technical level, and I'm not, again, like, I'm not taking this movie seriously. But on a technical level, it's pretty well shot. It understands mm. its tone. It's it's very, uh, it's mm. pretty pedestrian. But I, I, I think it, under, I, I do think it understands the Hanks and the dog shit. Like, I think it understands that. And I think that the impression I get is that he kind of let Tom and Mayer do what they were going to do in their scenes. Like, they're not really directed. Like, they're just kind of allowed to just sort of do whatever comes naturally to them. Um, But I do think that the dog stuff works pretty well. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't don't know how to say it other than I, I think that it's a shtick for sure. But if someone came into my – if I was an executive and someone pitched to me, it's Tom Hanks. He's an uptight detective and he's got a crazy dog. I mean, I'd probably buy that. Like, it's not like – wouldn't you? He wasn't Tom Hanks then, though, in the same way. And he was I beginning guess. to be. I mean, he had been yeah. – was it Uncle Ned on Family Ties? 
Um, no, hold on. You're not giving him. He had done big before this. He had done big. He was nominated for, for Best Actor the year before. Was, like, this guy. The, 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 the crazy thing is that he did this stupid fucking dog movie. That is, that is, the, that, is I, that is the That's thing true. to me. And, like, I would not have greenlit it because it's a stupid dog movie. And life is too short. And it doesn't matter if you make back your budget. You have to tell people you know that you made the dog movie, which is embarrassing. Okay. So. I think that everything that I like read about this, it all surprised me so much. Like this was the biggest spec sale in history. Like who reads the show? Who reads the, the movie? That's like, it's Jim Belushi's canine, but with a ugly dog. And they, they decided to pay the most money ever for a, a script. I like, I don't feel that way at all. Phil. I don't feel like this is a slam dunk. I feel like most of the time, uh, this is this is a failure. The 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 man and with the the silly man and dog movie, or if it's a success, it's like the most embarrassing thing this person does. Like Clint Eastwood's anyway, you know, any which way but loose. Uh, That's the monkey thing. movie, right? Mm-hmm. That's when he's he did, the monkey. He did too, and mm-hmm. it's the monkey movie. And this, you know, you know, you know the way I feel about Clint Eastwood. Like, and I monkeys. literally have his fucking biography sitting on my desk. <laughs> but he we he did this. It's just this humiliating blight. On his career, so I go ahead. That's true. No, I was going to say I I agree with most of that. Um, the biggest thing that I learned in my research uh, when they were trying to convince Tom Hanks to do Toy Story, they showed him. They used the voice from the, I believe the scene when he's in the car on the with stakeout the dog, yeah. with Hooch. Yeah. And he's like, don't eat the car, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Knowing that and then watching it, you hear Woody. Like, oh, I hear Woody through this whole movie. 100%. So much Woody. Crazy. And like when, when Woody's just like losing his temper and everything like that, like that's exactly yeah. what it is. So and Woody's uptight. You know what I mean? Like that's part of it too. Like mm-hmm. part of Woody's thing yes. is that he can't like, let go of stuff. So like right. there's a lot of Woody in this performance for sure. So for that reason, if, if Turner and Hooch has to exist to give us toy story, that's worth it. you know, <laughs> um, the other, <laughs> the other discovery that I made, um, I don't know if I really want this like recorded, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. Tom Hanks is in his underwear for a lot of this movie, like inexplicably. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of fit. And. <laughs> Were you hot? Were you horny for Tom Hanks in this movie? I. Oh, uh, I. Were <laughs> you? I mean, he's wearing very tight black little underwear, right? Is yeah. that a good way to yeah. describe it? Yeah. 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 Um, they. They're also. Gonna... What? I want to ask it with a little more, you know, toothness. Yeah, sorry. Uh, My apologies. I didn't mean to. Tom Hanks hot? Like, just in general. So, to me, he's a dad when dads were gross. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was, like, that much older where it was just, like, he's he's just a parent. Like, that's just the age he felt when I was younger. Yes. I thought he was endearing borderline adorable in some things but again i never crushed on him he was never in that same conversation um i'm trying to think like i mean even i mean tom cruise is a 
complicated figure, but like he was, he was the one on the magazines, not Tom Hanks. Right. And so I never really considered Tom Hanks as like hot or I never considered how he looked. I want to think of like what his hottest, what his hottest role is. Is this hot? No, there's one movie he was like hot in very problematic movie these days, but uh, all days, I guess he is hot in bachelor party. Um, Sure, he is sure. like so hard, hair, but yeah. So he's so cool in that movie. Like every move he makes is like is so balls to the wall. Like I like like I there's just something so like gonzo about that performance that mm-hmm. uh he, there's a different trajectory Tom Hanks could have gone down that would have been um more, more like more hot guy. But like is Tom Hanks like it's a weird thing to have this guy who is a romantic lead. Some of his most iconic roles are romantic leads, right? Mm-hmm. Part of like part of our, our Tracy and Hepburn. You know, I, I who's more Tracy and Hepburn in the last fifty years than him and Meg Ryan? I are there people? Um so we have like that thing, right? He obviously there is a segment that buys him as someone yeah. worthy of like be, having, you know, being crushed on. So there's that thing. The weird thing about this movie, and I actually do think this is like super relevant, is like, yeah, he's objectified through so much of this film. Like he doesn't have, he does. No one else would necessarily do that. There's nothing weird about sleeping in a t-shirt. So like he 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 could have been in long pants. A decision was made that Tom Hanks is looking good. And we should put you, Tom Hanks, Academy Award nominee, in your underwear in this dog movie throughout because people want it. That's interesting to me. Okay. Yes, and one of the strangest moments for me, and like I said, the romance was my buy-in for the movie more than anything at at this age. Um, One of the strangest things after he and – Mayor um, Winningham spend the night together. They're in the kitchen and he's got his shirt off, you know, and she comes in and she's wearing a robe and whatever. He's wearing jeans. Like it makes no sense to me. I don't never do. What? He's a never nude. No, uh, no, but I mean, you're in your underwear the entire movie. And now you put on jeans to walk to the kitchen after you just slept with this woman. Like it makes no sense to me. Also that whole scene is completely confounding because he refers to it as his house. And then she talks about it as if it's hers. And then he tells her to clean up when she's done as if it's his. And I just, I need to, I don't know where I they are. <clears throat> I, 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 I see. I, I found them to be charming and I was certainly rooting for them. Uh, but he, the character Turner, Scott Turner, mm-hmm. detective, acts real weird with uh, with this particular woman. Um, he does not act like someone who is trying to woo her, and I think he he uh, well, he I, is I, leaving that, town. I, I do I do buy that he doesn't want to get attached to her that far. Also, can right? we discuss the the job that's like the the boost up for him, the next step in his big career? He's joining the California Highway Patrol. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. He's going to be a chip. Mm-hmm. Can you see him <laughs> so, on a motorcycle though? No. 
this is part of why I kind of love this movie. Like I love how low, I love how like low stakes, low, it's not even low stakes. Cause you know, you're investigating a murder, but it's small scale. Yes. You know, like it's small scale. It's just a very like human sized story. If you take the dog out of it, um, the small town yeah, but- of it, the small town of it, I appreciated. I, one of, I think my, probably my favorite line in the whole thing is when he, introduces himself to mayor and she's like she like says his yeah, name before yeah. he can yeah. and he looks at her and she's like we use the same bank and i was just like yeah. okay like, that's what? adorable that's sweet that's endearing yeah. that's lovely yeah. wonderful but i mean i love her and i've loved her since she was wendy in saint almost fire and she's know. she's great i i I'll say the other thing that made me really feel the small townness is at the very end when he opens up when when his partner opens up the garage and he finds all the bicycles. He's like, "You cracked the bicycle thief yeah. ring." Thing. <laughs> There's also he steals that guy's car. He knows the kid's name, and he's like, yeah. "He's like, I get your mom. You know, get a car with muscle. A muscle car. Yeah. yeah." And I I I love that too. I also love I also love that the guy is Reginald Vell Johnson. I love the yeah. idea that like last year he was probably. You know, with John McCain, like, yep, or John yep. McClain, like, like outside Nakatomi Tower, and he's like, I, I've had enough of this. I got to go somewhere easy. Yeah, um, I think that. So I, I, I know it's so funny. I'm watching with my kid who has watched Die, Die Hard, and he's like, Is he always just like the the cop? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. always just a cop <laughs> for whatever reason. He's <laughs> like, He doesn't look like a lot of cops. They're usually yeah. more yeah. fit. I'm like, ah, you know, it was the eighties. He's, um, he's he, he, he was great. able he's to great. do some stuff. He was able to yeah. j- jump over some fences and uh he yeah. is. He's he's such a, a wonderful, like endearing best friend type character. Uh I was gonna ask you guys, did you by any chance watch Letterman uh Letterman's show where he does the hour long interview with Chappelle? Mm-mm. Yes, I did. Yeah. How nice is that town Chappelle lives in? Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Just this <laughs> I little, think it's called Yellow thing. River, Ohio. Uh, yeah. It's it has the same vibe as this movie where he's Chappelle, Chappelle grew up in this town. Uh, his dad was like a professor at the nearby college, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know Dave's asking him like, "Is there racism in this town?" He's like, "Well, you know, look, we're we're like we're a liberal enclave, liberal enclave, and I've lived here my whole life. I'm just Dave to everybody, you know." And uh, that was I, I do think that you know it's it's. It's a little more loaded when you're asking a black person that question in a small town. But I did feel like that was a sincere answer. Like it just in a small town is different. You do know Mm -hmm. like a real small town. Like we're talking about 10,000 or less. Mm -hmm. You really do know everybody. It's kind of a lovely thing. Yeah, this this town felt very Stars Hollowy to me a little bit, you know, of just that sort of everybody knows everybody. And it, 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 it seemed, you know, cute. I mean... I'm going to give a brief synopsis for the people that haven't watched Turner and Hooch. Detective Scott Turner, played by Tom Hanks, is an uptight by the book police officer who hopes to leave his sleepy California town and work in the big city. When his friend Amos Reed, played by John McIntyre, the property, the, sorry, the proprietor of a junkyard is killed, Turner reluctantly inherits the man's dog, realizing that the canine may be able to help him solve the murder case. Turner attempts to adjust to life with the big dog, resulting in much household destruction and unwelcome chaos. Uh, as I mentioned, it was written by Dennis Shayak, uh, Michael Blodgett, uh, Daniel Petrie, Jim Cash, Jack Epps Jr., directed by Roger Spottersworth. Uh, Turner and Hooch opened on July 28th, 1989 in first place against Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, and Friday the 13th, Part 8. 
Are we doing that, Phil? That hurts my heart. I don't think so. I don't watch horror movies. Jason takes Manhattan, right? Is is the I don't know. Maybe if he takes Manhattan, maybe I'll do it. Uh, it would go on to make $71 million on a $13 million budget. It has 52% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 51% from audiences. Variety said the rather mechanical style of director Roger Spottisworth, who took over the film after original director Henry Winkler departed, fails to enliven the stereotypical criminal proceedings. And the New York Times said uh, the one level on which this mild children's comedy works is as an extended gross joke for eight-year-olds. I didn't even read that. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, I, I think this movie also just to hopefully make your heart hurt a little bit less, Toby, I think that when Harry Met Sally was in its, if I'm not mistaken, its second or third week, most of these films were in their second or third week of release or longer at this point. Um, so they picked a window where this film could obviously capitalize. So, so Phil, uh, something we've like, I feel like we've been noticing in these 89 films that I think feels apparent with those snippets you read from the reviews is that people were tired of these types of movies. Um, and you know, having just watched Beverly Hills Cop and then watched Beverly Hills Cop 2, like these are, these are structurally the same movies and structurally, thematically, almost tonally, yep. um, uh, and, and, uh, kind of like, let's, this marriage of comedy, some kind of comedy with, with the type of, uh, criminal plot you could find in almost any movie drug trafficking and people getting murdered and shootouts at the end. And I, uh, I would imagine in 89, people were really tired of them having lived them for yeah. about seven, eight, nine years. I'm not, you know, <laughs> at, like I'm not, I, I, I miss them dearly. Like I yeah. miss movies like this that lead with the story and follow with the comedy dearly because we have years and years and years of movies. Like for instance, Pineapple Express, which is the inverse of this, which leads with what's the funniest thing we can do at all times, and the yeah. story drags along. And I think that movie suffers because if you're not if you're not really buying what these characters are doing, it's very hard to go with them on the journey. So I mean, I think I think spoiler alert, I think Beverly Hills Cop is a masterpiece in the template you know from which all of these films are yeah. are, are working. But I think this is a template that really works well. Uh, and the thing I, I really did like about it, and maybe this is just where my head is at or whatever, but like it's good, clean fun. You know, like the, mm -hmm. the humor is just like it's good, clean fun. It's not yep. – as the gross out is vomit. It's not shit. You know, there's not a shit joke in this movie. It's not vomit. It's drool. It's not a shit cool. joke in a movie about a dog, which is kind of amazing. If you think about it, it's not a piss joke about a movie about a dog, which is kind of amazing. It's just these two creatures getting to know each other and Hanks being like hilarious, charming game winning throughout. I, I, it's a weird thing to say because it's fucking Turner and huge, but I think I loved this movie. I mean, I think that I also just, um, just surrender. It's something that Kenny and I have both been, uh, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, Toby, as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Sorry, watching these 89. No, no, no. Watching these 89 films, they are so comfortable. They're so comfortable. Like they're yeah. not, they're just not expect, like they're, yes, they might be overly simplistic and yes, audiences are jaded now and you can't tell a story that's this one-to-one -one and this straight a line and this sort of obvious because audiences, I don't think to a certain degree would put up with that. Um, but watching these movies, 
now it's just they feel like a warm blanket of just they're they're to Kenny's point they're not cynical they're not they're not angry um there's just something very endearing and I agree with you Toby it's not like great filmmaking and like it's bouncing all over the place it clearly had some creative issues but like uh, put me in a car with Turner and Hooch on a stakeout and 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 I'm I'm there like I it's it's it should. It's embarrassing that we that we're admitting. This. I agree. It's embarrassing. I agree too. Um, <laughs> I will say. Would you know what I'm saying a little bit of what I'm saying, Toby? I don't know. Yes, I completely understand that. I would argue, and this is a weak argument because I can't think of an example right now. But I would argue there are other films that did this better. Oh, for sure. And did, did what better? Um, the cop buddy movie, or like. No, just like what you're saying, like a family-friendly comedy that is endearing and non-offensive and, you know, pretty basic, but it works. Um, I don't know. This just isn't like I mean, top Spielberg list produced a lot of them in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You, know what I mean? he did, you know what I mean? So there is things of, you know, Goonies comes to mind to a certain yes, degree or course. just family Goonies fun. is so different than this, though. Yeah, like, no, totally, totally. I mean, the one top of my head that – you know, we're going to cover very soon. That's basically flawless is true Beverly Hills. But like movies, m- you agree. Toby likes true right? Beverly Hills guys yeah. based on the reaction. I was, she just it's waiting to bring up the Craig T. Nelson thing. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Wait, how do I get on that episode? <laughs> you, mean, you, mean, you mean, you mean Freddie? Um, I, I've seen that movie so many fucking times and it's a, it's a tremendous movie and I it, it does own that movie. One. I watch it. It's, it's all the time. It's so good. I, I, I mean, can we just talk about that from now on? <laughs> we can talk about it a little bit because we haven't done it yet, but it, it is good, clean, fun. And mm-hmm. I love that, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's more of an, a, uh, explicitly a, not so much a kid's movie, but like a tween movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like it is made for like 10, 11, 12 year olds, uh, you know, a lot in the same way that Clueless is kind of made for like 13, 14 year olds, but works really well for everybody ever. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that there are, yeah, to, of course there are movies, Toby, that you're right, that, that are family friendly. I, I would, I would say big falls on that list. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, League of Their Own falls, falls on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, just because it doesn't, you know, live up to those standards, which it doesn't, I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of felt like, was it even trying to be like great or was it just trying to be that movie you watch, uh, in July to get into the air conditioning, the air conditioned theater? You come yeah. out at eight o'clock and it's still like twilight and you, you know, mm-hmm. you stop by the, you, you get a crab roll and you, you, I don't eat crab rolls, but you, you, because they have mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. disgusting. And you go hang out on the, you know, the, the, the paddle boat. Is that, but do you think that I I, I want to kind of with paddle boats? Yes. Uh It feels, it it feels like, I mean, it feels like a new England night or a, uh, a Pacific Northwest night, which is kind of like the most like warm, lovely moment I can think of. And I put put myself, I think that this film also, it should be said, you know, this is touchstone pictures, you know, 1989, uh, Katzenberg and Eisner have just taken over Disney. Um, they're, they're trying to recalibrate. They're trying to figure out how to sort of, 
you know, uh, get Disney back to its glory, if you will. Um, and you know, when that, when I saw that touchstone, uh, fanfare logo show up, I did kind of have this moment where I was like, I do miss this breed of movie of sort of the, the family movie, the live action Disney film that is, has a little bit of edge to it. It's just a little bit, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not being a a full on Disney movie, you know, when they were quote unquote afraid to put Disney's banner on a movie, but they produced it and you know, developed it. Um, and I think that this film does kind of speak to that. It's, I, I wouldn't, it's probably not even in my, I don't know, maybe my top 10 touchstone movies. I, I'm sure I could name a bunch more that I liked. Troop Beverly Hills, I think is a touchstone movie, if I'm not mistaken as well. But I, I just think that it's, it's an interesting moment in movies that we just don't really have anymore. So that was kind of, I think a little bit of not even nostalgia, but just wishing that that lane existed still. I miss touchdown movies desperately. <laughs> another another Bruckheimer thing. A lot of touchstone Hollywood pictures. A lot of I mean, he's he's yeah, been a Disney guy for a long time. I keep in my head. I keep going back to the summer movie of it, and mm-hmm. like I think another like family friendly one that I loved growing up was Summer Rental, and sure, it's completely lovely and also just kind of dumb, but. Like, this movie is dopey in a way that I normally would not have issue with. Like, I'm the one who's always defending the movie that people are like, why do you know so much about this movie? Why do you watch that movie so much? Like, I'm that person. And for whatever reason, this just, I just don't connect with it, with the exception of, like, the scenes that belong in a rom-com. And it's yeah. not that I don't like action movies. It's not that I can't do a buddy cop film. It's not that I hate dogs, but you know what? I mean, it's none of those things. I just. Do you think that part of it was, and I, and I feel like this is a good time to ask this question, which is um, if a dog ID'd a person with that, hold up in a court of law i mean is that a is that a thing that that would uh because i i think that part of i i i gotta be honest i bumped a little bit on the moment when he asks mayor whittingham if like the dog can actually like id a person and she's like you know that's not really how this works like so at least he's able to laugh at the stupidity of this concept but did that bump you did you find yourself conceptual okay no because i said that is the complete that's the conceit of the movie i just have to jump on board with that so no that didn't bother me and i I, I think especially because she looked at him like you're an idiot you're an idiot (laughs) sure um, there were there were three other people apparently in consideration for this role: Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase. I guess those all make sense. I mean, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase more so than Jack Nicholson. Well, um, I mean, as good as it gets is him and a dog, right? This killing is true. It. Killing it. That dog steals a lot of scenes from him. Yeah. Jack Nicholson uh, would have been great because of what <laughs> you just said, Toby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill Murray. It actually seems like it was written for him. And it, it and it might have been it might have been a, like an actual classic with Bill Murray because he would have yeah. played up the absurdity of it all yes, a little sure. more. Yeah. You know, there's like nothing better than the scene in Groundhog's Day when he actually tries with Phil Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil off the cliff. Like, don't never really, drive angry. Never drive. He angry. Really knows how to speak to a, an animal. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was th- I've been thinking about Chevy. I was thinking about Chevy a lot today because Fletch is like just you know half a step down from. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. 
um, a very small step. Fletch is a, a lot like this movie too. And Fletch I've never seen cool. Fletch. Never Fletch seen is Fletch. an incredible film. Fletch is I so should. fucking funny. He is so fucking funny in it. Fletch and the is crime. The movie they always played when it was raining at camp. Fletch <laughs> is a Fletch. Fletch, for whatever reason, is a movie that Jews love. Can I just because say that Toby said. <laughs> That is the I most know, I know. thing ever. The, there is that's a, what there they would a play Jewish sensibility to that humor, like Dr. Rosen, Rosen, Dr. Rosenpeen. It's like there's just yeah. there's something about that that like Jews feel seen. I think because it's relentless. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It is relentless. Yeah. And, and it's so funny when you, when you learn that like Chevy is like actually like you know a Mayflower and like fucking you know five generations of like. American royalty or actual royalty. He's the least fucking Jewish guy in America. No, but he ha- he's towns in Maryland named after them. That is for sure. What? What? <laughs> he he chose the name. I know. Right? His real name, his real name, of course, is Cornelius. <laughs> so which is true. But okay. He would have done great, Chevy, maybe 89. He his his rose was all, you know, the, the bloom was already off his rose a little bit. You know, we yeah. did Christmas vacation. Already, but it did kind of feel like it was waning a bit for Chevy. Um, to, I don't know. I I I, I maintain that Tom Hanks really did a, a good job, and and to contrast, Jim Belushi did make a movie like I think this year, or the year before, uh, three movies called With Canine. Dog. Yeah, Canine, uh, which is the exact same premise, and except the dog works for the police in this in that one, and uh, those movies are not well regarded. I wish you could have all seen Kenny roll his eyes at the dog works for the police. Like <laughs> the dog, had, the dog has a job. Dog had to fucking work for the cops. I, I, I'm sure he gets W nines. I mean, this is a ridiculous. Thing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I think that there I think that there are so many landmines with a movie like this, and if you don't have a top 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 comedian. Who also is really good at playing the straight scenes? You will sink so fucking hard. Can I ask this? Go ahead, Toby. Sorry. Oh no, um, I was just going, kind of jumping further. Mm-hmm. The scene. Can I talk about the scene at the end? Absolutely. Go. 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 Yeah. Are we worried about spoilers. No, because I was going to ask a question about the end. So, okay, so ahead. the dog dies, right? And what? Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler. Sorry. Um, yeah. And the scene at the vet. You know, the dog gets hurt during the shootout and he runs over to his girlfriend, the vet, to save him. Um, And that scene when they lose him is Tom is so much more compelling than he's any right to be in that scene. Like to me, that it almost bothered me how good he was in that scene, because comparatively, the rest of the movie is it doesn't come close to that. You know what I mean? Um, And so. In some ways, I almost think that Tom maybe was too good of an actor for a role like this. I don't know. Well, I think I'm, that I'm still I, no, I agree. I, th- I think that looking at his at his filmography, you get the distinct impression that he's sort of like he's at a place where he got the Oscar nomination for Big, right? Like mm-hmm. that—that's obviously a big deal. So he wants to be taken seriously. I, I would say that's a very unique type of Oscar nomination sure. you don't see oh, very for sure. often. Mm-hmm. For sure, so. for sure. It's more of um, an endorsement there, to like welcome to yeah. the yes. career. Mm-hmm. But there's a push and pull, I think, to your point, Toby, of a guy who wants to be taken a little bit more seriously, is hoping that he's going to get sort of into that uh, into that stratosphere of, I guess, a Robin Williams where like, you know, you get out of the comedies and you're taken seriously as, as a dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this lands on your plate and you're making this movie and 
sounds like it was a bumpy ride. And I imagine that that there's a, there's, that must've been frustrating, but he shows up for that scene for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question here is, and Tom Hanks apparently in an interview years ago said that he thought the movie could have been more successful had Hooch not died. My, my question, right? Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Kenny. Like the dog has to die. At the end. Like, he, has well, he, didn't, to die. he didn't have to die. Success was a relative term, right? Like he didn't sure. uh, creatively. That was the right decision. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's called they shot the cat, two endings. Not the dog. Yeah. <laughs> They shot two endings. They tested both both yeah. endings, and apparently it was like basically neck and neck. And Katzenberg said, "Let's go with the one that people were a little bit more passionate about, which was the end." You know, people just seemed a little more, you know, whatever you, whatever the right word is. So they went with that ending. And to your point, Kenny, if the dog lives, I don't think this film has the same lasting power. Like I think it. I, listen, it's still the Tom Hanks dog movie under all circumstances, but I do think that. If that dog lives, this movie is that much more of a throwaway. I agree, I agree with that. With mm-hmm. I think. Also, if the, I, I, go ahead, Toby. No, I was just going to say, who doesn't break up with the vet who kills the dog? <laughs> I don't know. Good point. That's but she didn't point. kill the dog. She just wasn't able to save the dog. So, well, so uh, a <laughs> uh, couple things. Lots of thoughts here. Please. One, I I was very high on Hanks going into that um that scene, so I have a very different feeling on this. I thought he was like making the movie at every every moment. I thought I thought he made a lot of really great decisions. Um, you know, the the character of the neat freak is usually uh a drag, yeah. and he did not make this character a drag. The character was still funny. He was still Tom Hanks in the workplace. The the mailman came in and he'd go, stop police. Every time it was their shtick. He had shtick with guys. He was funny with Reginald Bell Johnson. Uh, he was ambitious. The whole thing was that he wanted to go, you know, had, take on a role that had more action. He was excited to take on the case of this murder. He also was the only person in town who hung out with this disgusting fucking junk man. And his hey, disgusting. Hey, Amos was lovely. Amos was a sweet guy, Kenny. Not mutually exclusive. Disgusting junk man who fed his dog beer and 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 uh miller beer at that the banquet beer oh, uh, disgusting junk man is a is a great movie though and this and also the, his disgusting dog and he was the only person that this dog liked so like i don't think that the characterization was like particularly obvious i think it was pretty hard to thread that needle to have a guy who can like get you know get a hickey from a dog also be the guy who's meticulous about his fridge but Tom Hanks thread, threaded that needle. So after he pulled off that incredible death scene, just oh, devastating, uh, really set him up for the Jenny funeral stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, he, uh, <laughs> in a much worse movie than this, he, uh, I, I wrote in my notes, Tom yeah. Hanks should have been nominated for this movie. <laughs> Wait, nominated for what though? Uh, best actor in a feature <laughs> film. Wait, are you talking about um, an Oscar? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, at, at the Academy Awards, often known, often known as the Oscars. I thought that Tom Hanks uh, should have been should have been an Academy Award nominee for what he pulled wow. off here. Because the other thing that that, that I, all right, so I love that the fucking dog died. I'm sitting there with my with my daughter, dog obsessive. We have two dogs. One is chilling here right now. We had to put down a dog. In, in their lives, like in their memories. So like we, you know, it, within the last, since my little kid's born, so within the last three and a half years, we put down uh, a dog. 
and I was in the room. I know what it's like to have a fucking dog be put down in front of you. It is, it is hard. And there is no other way to play that. It doesn't matter what the movie is. You have to play it like something you love is, is going away in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything, anything less than like full commitment to that moment would have killed this movie. So there's that. And then the other thing I was going to say was, um, I like it. I like it as a dad. I like that uh, it's like a safe place for my my kids to kind of confront the idea of not everything is forever. And if this dog gets shot and limps away, um, I don't think you really get much out of that. Uh, and I look, it's like it, it's a, it's the most perfect, but it's the most obvious but most perfect ending that this dog winds up with little hooch, just like with little Groot in fucking Guardian of the Galaxies. It's the same idea. Um, it's a beautiful, like, little ending of this movie. I was so happy to see it because I, I figured that's what happened because I remember that, I remember that Hooch died because could not remember having seen it on the plane. That's a thing in pop culture that Hooch dies. You know that. You know that, like, Luke is your, you know, that start, uh, that fucking Darth Vader is Luke's father. But, uh, the end was on so- par. On par. They're equal. They're equal reveals. <laughs> Um, but the uh, they're brought up the, the conversation the same amount too. They, they should 100%. be. They should be. But uh, but I, I think the end was like lovely and beautiful. And um, I really, I, it's weird. I really, I, 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 I don't really cry, like. I don't really cry, but like, I cry. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not crying anymore. I'm like, I'm fucking beat the shit in You're the middle of a inside. pandemic. I did cry at the the eighth episode of Ted Lasso though. Oh, what do you have? You yeah. probably also at the end of episode five. I haven't. I'm only on eight right now. Which is five, Toby? Um, with the wife. That was devastating. That's when that movie. That's when that show turned. I, I, the one I cried at. I think it was eight. Might have been seven. Was the um the the panic attack? Oh yep. my god! Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. That just that that guy. That fucking. Do you love that show? Oh, it's. I mean, it's a warm hug. Like it is, especially right now. But it. it gives me like shit's creek feelings and i just think it's gives me parks and rec feelings but it's I hear noble it. in a way that most shows aren't i don't know i, I noble that. noble or notable well both but i said noble it is noble mm-hmm. it is my friend called it magnificent i think it's, it's a magnificent show in a lovely yeah. way yeah and, like and, and you know i do think that I, I hear the Parks and Rec. I hear the Shit's Creek, even though you know I'm two seasons into Shit's Creek. I don't think I've gotten to like the the parts that really do that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, it has Touchstone movie vibes. It has like it's that is the closest thing to the, like the the feelings I get and I want from particular movies that were made in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm crazy about it, and I'm so set up to dislike it. I don't like soccer. I don't love Jason Sudeikis. I don't like shows based on stupid fucking one-off sketch characters. I don't like one of their fucking creators. Um, and uh, I, 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 the premise is ripped for Major League. I really wanted to not like it. I love it so fucking deeply. It's my favorite show in years. Mm-hmm. Can I? I, I want to. I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and and I I think that. I didn't love the pilot of Ted Lasso, if I'm being completely honest. It took about three episodes before I was like basically crying every episode for it to get its hooks in me. And for for him not to feel um, – he felt a little sketchy, sketch comedy to me in the pilot. Like it just – it felt like it hadn't earned its stripes yet. 
and then it it really does very quickly, which is a credit to everybody involved. Um, but it's it's the little moments, it's the little things, it's the relationship between Juno Temple and forgive me, I don't, I can't remember the the character's name. Um, you talking about Roy? Right? You talking about Roy? Roy. 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 Yeah. You know that guy's like, a writer on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's funny. Awesome, right? Mm-hmm. It's great. Like th- that little slow blossom of their relationship, I just like fell totally in love with Juno Temple. I I liked her before this. I mean, oh. I, I you know, but my God, she's just absolutely off the charts amazing in in this show. Um, it's one of those shows I'm, where I like, I, and it's a bad thing that we do now. And I I'm 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 certainly one of the one of the you know worst uh, offenders in maybe the world that a show doesn't count. Unless it gets nominated for awards, yeah, yeah, there's this thing where like a show, there's there's no like wire anymore where like you could like people just love the show even though it's not getting nominated. However, one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There should be seven nominations from this show. There should seven people should be getting nominated out of this show. At so least. the whole cast, the whole cast. I mean, fucking Roy should be nominated, and fucking Nate should be nominated. So that's how deep I'm going with it, right? <laughs> I, obvi- I obviously think uh, Juno Temple should be nominated. I think Sudeikis should win every award ever made. I think what's uh, Hannah? Hannah? Rebecca. What's, uh, Rebecca. Rebecca should be fucking nominated. I like. Yeah. Maybe not Coach Beard, but I love Coach Beard too, and I, I think that's a really Sam. great character. Mm-hmm. I love Sam, mm-hmm. and I thought Jamie Tarr was great. Like that was a great character, yeah, and a great arc. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a legitimately great show. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to mention about the oh no, Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas, <laughs> Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas. What a show! All right. Um, so on the on the Turner and Hooch thing that I was going to mention um, is the the little scenes yep. are the ones that kind of pop for me the most. The scene where he uh, where Hooch has helped him move the case along, and he gives him a bunch of chocolate chip cookies and a can of beer as like a present for being. Who gives a dog yes, chocolate? <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, yeah, we kill the dog, but that that okay. But it's 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 Tom Hanks sitting down next to him, mm-hmm. noticing that the dog is melancholy, noticing that the dog misses his owner, mm-hmm. and scratching behind his ear, and just that that like a wordless scene between the two, like that's the that's the goods for me. Yeah. And listen, I'm a you know I, I I'm a dog person, I get it, but it's also just like that's Tom Hanks finding ways to lock into the the nuance of a movie that does not have much of it. So I, I appreciated those moments a lot. You know, I didn't connect the dots until just now, but Tom has a dog and you've got mail and Brinkley is very visible in the movie. And, 
he's playful with him. I mean, he doesn't solve any murders, but he... <laughs> he doesn't. Frankly, doesn't <laughs> solve does any murders. Um, but he's lovely with that dog. And there are, there are glimpses of that in that scene that you're talking about. Well, and I mean, Tom Hanks has talked about the fact that, you know, in the death scene, the way that he got there was because he knew that he wasn't going to see the dog anymore. And that, like, this was the last time he was going to see the dog. So, like, he was able to kind of, like, the actual dog, the, the dog actor, however, whatever you want to say. The like, he knew that. Mill. Yes. I mean. <laughs> the, yeah, sure. He, he knew that this was the end of their, you know, their relationship. Right. And that got him to a place where he needed to go emotionally. Again, you know, Tom Hanks is great. We all know that Tom Hanks is great. And it's just an interesting, weird little bridge that we have for him in this sort of late 80s period where. It's it's kind of weird for him, right? Like he just like where does he fit in Hollywood? And it's amazing that he found a way to fit. I there are a lot of um, comparisons made to Jimmy Stewart when it comes to Tom Hanks, and I think Jimmy Stewart would have fucking nailed this in a way that I would have wanted to watch it again. Sure, sure, and that's that's fair. I I mean I think that. I mean, I think actually I saw an interview recently with Tom Hanks on, I think it was Colbert, and he was talking about how he met Jimmy Stewart once. And I'm just like, that must, like, just those two guys together must have just been. I bet he met him more than once. Jimmy Stewart lived quite a long time. He did. He did. You know, I, I, but yeah, I, I mean, when you mentioned Jimmy Stewart, it does make me think there are other ways to have played this mm-hmm. and other people who would have been really kind of interesting in this role. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. The thing about this that I that that I didn't remember uh, that does kind of limit I think who you could cast in it. This particular the the script is that uh Turner is willing to take the dog in a way that I didn't remember, right? Like Turner accepted very quickly that if he didn't take this dog, there was no place for this dog to go and also Maybe he could help him solve the case, but that really wasn't that at the forefront here. I think the obvious move, the worst move, would have been something really craven. Like, I need this dog because he can only, you know, only he can help me save this case, but I hate this dog. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this dog is horrible. <clears throat> so that because it wasn't that, you do need a guy who can sell that, which I, I, I don't really know other I, I don't really know any other way to put it. It it's like it, it's an obvious thing in real life because most people aren't like monsters who hate dogs. But in movies, there are a lot of monsters who hate dogs, like Jack Nicholson and, you know, as mm-hmm. good as it gets. No one in real life would fucking throw a dog down a, a shoot. If they did, they'd go to jail. But, you know, that's a pretty typical kind of like, you know, villainous or, you know, pre arc movie character type move so i do think that i i I mean i do i think turner's a really interesting kind of fully formed character in that way i i i which is which is what tom's bringing to it i mean like i think it it, we should say again like it's a pretty rote script right like this is paint by the numbers for the most part they're not but tom is imbuing it with a three-dimensionality that actually makes scott turner into a real person but what i what i like about it is okay so you have a script that's pretty rote Instead of connecting the dots with something wild and silly, which I think has been happening the last 20 years, mm-hmm. they're connecting the dots with kind of the most obvious and plain and, and terrestrial ideas here. You know, like why is Turner staying with, why is Hooch staying with Turner? 
Because Turner is the cop who's on that beat and he treats him, you know, with, with like kindness. Like that, mm-hmm. that is what would happen. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, it's funny you, you were saying, you know, that conceptually this feels of, of a certain type of film at a certain time. Um, and now we live in a world where this movie is being turned into a Disney Plus show, which, you know, I was reading about sort of what it's about and it's it's more about like the military and it's a military dog and like a whole host of things that i'm sort of like sure i i don't i don't really know how it's a television show and maybe it'll be a hit i don't know but um to me what i like about it too is that it's josh peck by the way has strong young tom hanks vibes he does. I, I, by the way, I'm, I'm not. I'm not shitting on the show. I haven't seen a lick of it. I don't know. Mick G might direct the hell out of it, and it might be fantastic. I don't know. Um, <laughs> right? But who knows? Who knows? Um, but it's it's just to your point, Kenny. That like we're 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 in a time now where it's like a movie that that is relatively simple that's telling a simple story um, just doesn't get made. Um, I want to kind of jump through the the plot a little bit here. Um, as we mentioned, Tom Hanks is playing this character, Scott Turner, who is moving out of town. He's it's his last couple of days, and he is training his replacement. Um, and they go to visit Amos, uh, who's complaining about noise from the um, the what would you call it? The like fish seafood warehouse. magnate. <laughs> it's like a fish warehouse. <laughs> Yeah, the seafood fish warehouse, the, the local seafood food magnate, um, who seems to be doing Every some suspicious. Everyone, <laughs> sure. Um, and uh, Amos is killed. Turner's alluded to the crime, uh, alerted to the crime scene. Craig T. Nelson, everyone's favorite coach, um, is there Not as the mine. <laughs> Not your favorite coach. I mean, was... are you kidding me? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that like he. The show is named Coach. I'm not. I, obviously, not, there not are better favorite. coaches. He is my. He is my favorite patriarch of a of a parenthood family. There you go. Uh, ri- sure, fine. He's I, my favorite. Uh, guy. Yes, there's better. There's better coaches. I didn't mean it literally, but yes, uh, there are better fictional Craig coaches. T. Guys, I, I love Craig T. Nelson. I love. He's great in the Family Stone too. And he's great in True Beverly Hills when he's the Freddy. Yeah, the Muffin uh, Man. He he does something though in this which I think is interesting, which he immediately is the bad guy. Like he shows up and he's immediately suspicious. And for yeah. at no point do you think that anyone else is the bad guy other than Craig T. Nelson. Well, but, you, know. you see him show up and you're like, oh, he must have a huge part. And no, he has two scenes, maybe three. And so, yeah, he does shoot a guy just like in the face with a shotgun at the end, which is fucking crazy. This the end of this movie gets surprisingly violent. Well, yes, it does. The other thing is all this talk and like, obviously this is not my desert Island movie. This is not my, my castaway. Um, This is not even almost a movie that I love, but the dog is very, very good at the end. It's, crawling how it's how did they I, I, do that literally at the end of the hands. film i was watching one of the great performances ever it was fucking incredible i was like this guy's a legend okay this, this is, is one of the best fucking guys, performances ever still, yes guys how about the face on that guy it's a, it's a walter Matthau of dogs right there i mean, I mean really here's another question. now i need a canine odd couple 
Is Walter yes. Matthau uh, hot? I know that sounds like a silly question because, like, I think like he's he's like he's clearly not hot. But I also think like no, ugly has women become love hot. Him. Ugly has become hot. There you, you're 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 getting at what I'm putting down. Yeah. Like um, the short answer, no. But of course not. If you go back, if you like a young Walter Matthau, like. You could kind of got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, I, lo- I love I love the way you you read that line, Toby. That was great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you would be really yeah, sold it, but yeah. yeah, that's a that's a that's a thing. It's a, it's 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 my family is a weird family, and it's a my dad kind of looks like a cross between Walter Matthau and uh, Harrison Ford. He's on his good days, he's got he some Ford. He Ring or no and, uh, uh, no, no hearing, but he, but, you know, <laughs> you, you could try. But I uh, saw so on his good days, he's got a lot of forward in him, and on his bad days, he's got a lot of math out in him. So, in my family, Walter Matthau's always kind of been like this is another word to say about your own family, but almost like, 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 a, like a covert sex symbol type thing. Like, my mom's always been like, oh, that Walter Matthau. I mean, everyone loves Walter Matthau, but I think I've heard it from other people. But that, you can like, even put like a Elliot Gould to a lesser degree, like the, the people who aren't. Stereotypical matinee idols have People loved LA Gold. Oh, I still do. Yes, yeah. but they have in more recent years. Those people, the people that like, I don't know. You think of like character actors. I'm not talking about like Charles Durning, but like there are <laughs> D- David Strathairn, for instance. Well, no, he's very. That's good. a good looking guy. Good looking That's a good looking guy. guy. Yeah, but I, I just mean I, I, my point here is, and I think I, I understand because I'm watching these AFI movies for this AFI movie club with my friends, and like those seventies, those seventies actors yeah. that were given, where you're just like, obviously Paul Newman and Robert Redford. I mean, they're they're beautiful men but like you're young al pacino you're kind of you're you're oh, young you're crazy phil al pacino i just mean they're not like they're not ju- they're not matinee idol guys these he are guys who don't beautiful. feel like they he's feel only, a I mean, little five bit foot, five foot two but you can that's you can work around i i buy this conversation hoffman a hundred percent though yeah. i don't know if hoffman was ever like Sex symbolly, maybe he was. Uh, I don't know. A little bit in Tootsie. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Have you Tootsie seen Tootsie? Yeah, I think it's. I like, haven't seen Tootsie. I, I I'm, think I'm, that's like, an AFI you're going to watch it for AFI, so you're going to watch it. I think Tootsie's as bad as problematic. Gets, but. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, look, I came to Tootsie very late in life, so it may. I, I watched it, you know, maybe ten years ago, but like, mm-hmm. I did not grow up with Tootsie. And Tootsie was one of the movies where I was just like, this? It was number two on the AFI um, comedy movies, right? And number one is Some Like It Hot. So, like, you know, it's not like they have bad taste, you know? That's super weird. Oh, wait. Can I talk about the Terry Gar of it for a second? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the best part. is phenomenal in um, Tootsie. Tootsie. Um, She's also fantastic in Mr. Mom, which is a a forever favorite of mine that I just rewatched again. Michael. I've never seen it, but because of your tweets, I have recorded it. I have it on my DVR. I'm looking forward to watching it. Dude, let's discuss separately. Yes. Can't wait. wait. Michael Keaton Mm -hmm. would have been great in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Michael Keaton is uh, in 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 that pre Batman stuff. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Like so good at Mr. Mom. Uh, Hanks and Keaton are are very much the same energy. 
and similar careers in their own kind of weird way. Not really. They kind of landed in the same spot. Yeah, but only but they had now parallel you got at this time. Henry Sorry. Winkler fired. <laughs> yeah, one of I them know. starred I, with Henry Winkler in Night Shift, and the other one got him fired well, off of Phil, Turner. Phil, Phil, yeah. Phil knows that you know. I think I think Hanks deep down might not be the great guy everyone thinks. Oh, he is. I don't think that's true. I, I, <laughs> I agree with that. I love that theory. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have a spec for you to read. Uh, um, Oh, that well, of course, sure. Um, I do want to on the on the Hanks, and and this does connect to Keaton to some degree as well, because both of those guys do physical comedy incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Like, th- th- there's there's a immense physicality to them, and there's the 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 doggy door bit when when Hooch is dragging him mm-hmm. into the veterinary hospital, and, like again, like Hanks fucking nails that stuff. I. Mm-hmm. I I weirdly love The Money Pit. I don't think it's a particularly good movie. But Tom Hanks in that movie, there's a scene that's still just fucking – the scene when he gets stuck in the floor mm-hmm. in the rug and he's just just he's just talking to himself and going completely crazy. And doesn't he get lower and lower and lower? Yeah, get, well, she, she tries to pull him out and then right. he just falls. I don't think it's but, a terrible movie. I don't think it's a terrible movie, but it's not a great movie. We used to watch that it's just with my like, grandmother all the time. But like Tom Hanks is – like that is Tom Hanks doing like Charlie Chaplin shit. Like he's just the physical comedy that he brings to that. And there's a little bit of it in this. As I mentioned, the doggy door and, you know, generally wrestling her hooch to the ground at certain times. But like do you sort of know what I'm saying? That Like mm-hmm. Tom Hanks doesn't do that anymore. Woody does that now and that's all fine and good. But like it's – Both these dudes got out – Hanks and, and Keaton mm-hmm. got out at the right time. Oh sure. Uh, this is this this brand of comedy, this physical thing, this you know this like better looking than most comedian thing, better shaped than most comedian thing. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it ends at some point, and you you, you got to go. You know, it's time to go and see if you can see if you can hang with the big boys and uh, you know open big movies or whatever. Uh, and it took Keaton a lot longer to get there because he kind of grew into himself. But um, I, I appreciate that. If he was still making Flubber in like you know the mid '90s, that would be very sad. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I enjoyed the way you said Flubber with disdain. That, that's just just beautiful. Because he because um, Robin Williams Robin Williams still there was a lot of money to be made, I guess, and he was a big brand, and I guess he felt like he had to make stupid ass movies like Flubber and Jack. But uh, you know he didn't. Wasn't Flubber a remake of a Fred McMurray? Jerry. Oh, I was going to say Jerry Lewis. Lewis oh, I'm thinking, Shaggy, uh, I'm thinking um, the, not the Shaggy Detective. What's that called? You, the Shaggy Dog? No, um, no the, something Detective. You're talking about the Tim Allen the Shaggy Dog remake? Professor. He, Absent-minded that Professor was, is Flubber. That's yes. Yeah. Please hold. Um, but that's what it is. Absent-minded professor yeah. flubber, and you know, uh, nutty professor is no. nutty professor. So absent-minded professor is what's his nuts? It's Fred McMurray. It's Fred McMurray. Amazing, amazing. amazing. Wow. Okay. That there guy you, had three. That guy had three pretty distinct careers. Oh my god! I mean, so that was my point is that he started off as just like a really like good actor. I mean, he had incredible parts, everything from the apartment to double indemnity. And then he kind of steered into this wholesome family area. 
and then TV dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, you know, there's, there's, there's dignity in that. I, I, I think yep. like, you know, that's, that's where, that's how you the belong to career. What's that? He was also in the shaggy dog. Did he turn into a dog? Yeah. yeah. He's a lawyer who turns into a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The lawyer turned into a dog. Um, how do we feel about Hooch's relationship with Camille? I, I liked the lady in the tramp kind of vibe that they had. I, I don't know if that was, got a kick out of the fact that it's like the lady vet with her lady dog and like the cop with his hard, you know, boy dog like that. I, I liked that more than I should have. I think, I think it was I, a little underdeveloped. I, I don't disagree with either of you. I think that I enjoyed it, but it's what it is. I what I, I, I want to just um, talk about the, the, the Scott and Emily storyline for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, because, first of all, I think both of them make it better than it probably has any reason to be or any right to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that um, the painting scene, what I thought was interesting, so she invites him in to help her with like some sort of a, fuse box something something i don't remember what it was anyway he walks in and he sees that she's painted half of this room and she's going to bed and he's like i i'm gonna finish this because i can't deal with it being half done which feels like some ocd behavior which is fine i mean i suffer from ocd to a certain degree but i thought it was just interesting that he was sort of like yeah yeah you can go to bed that's fine i have to finish this and then they have this really nice scene where she talks about you know wanting to get married and have kids. And he's like, well, good luck in this town. And, and, you know, they have a nice, they have a nice scene together. Um, I thought they're, I bought their chemistry. I bought the two of them together. I, I weirdly, as I was watching their first scene together, it occurred to me that I actually wrote a pilot that had a, a, a female veterinarian character. And I think in some way it was actually inspired by this, having seen this movie so many times as a kid. Um, I, I just, there's something very sort of lovely about a small town vet. Like she's just adorable and sweet and heartfelt. And that's Sam Shepard and baby boom. Yeah. I've never seen baby boom. It shows. I said I haven't seen Baby Boom and she says it shows. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so anyway. I think you uh, would enjoy it, Phil. It's very endearing. I, I fully intend on watching it. I should have I should have seen it by now. Um But it's another small I, town bet. Yes, fair enough. It um, also gave me some Doc Hollywood vibes, a movie that yes, I've seen. Yes. Yeah, so many times. Like, good movie. I, I don't know how it's. I like that a, movie. I, I know, like every fucking beat of that movie. I love that movie. It's a great flick. But she wasn't a vet. I, I just looked it up. She was an ambulance driver. So you know, she she was in healthcare one way or another. But it's had there a very go. similar vibe. Yeah. Um. But but you know, listen, I, we're not going to go beat to beat through this crime story because it's 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 pretty it's pretty dumb. But um, the moment that I loved was when uh. Scott takes Hooch to the fact to the, the the fish factory, and <laughs> and makes him smell one of the bags, and then Hooch like runs around and finds the bags because of the scent and whatever. Um, it just feels like such a like that wasn't is this great. what the TV show is going to be like this dog. Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah, but anyway. I hated that. I hated that. I hated that he had him smell like I think what was in the bags drugs. I can not remember money. Um, Money they put money yeah, in giant yeah, ice cubes. They, they had him smell money, and he came back with the bag. That, that that did feel quite lazy to me. 
But there's a lot of lazy stuff in this movie from a crime solving perspective. Um, from a canine crime solving perspective. Yeah, the dog yes. leans out the window and smells the perp across the street. Yeah. Dogs have great senses of smell. That that I bought. Um <laughs> what does it mean the dogs don't see in two dimensions? When it I don't know what you mean by what does it mean. This is a dimension and that's a dimension, right? You can only see what I was pointing at if you get the uh, Patreon. <laughs> this is a dimension and that's a dimension. Sure. Third sure. dimension, I could I guess I could see them seeing like flat canvases, but you have to see two dimensions, right? Well, what's weird about this thing is that there was a theory that dogs can only see in in essentially that dogs can't see like a picture on a piece of paper, for instance, like they can't actually see that, I guess. But I've many dogs I've had see on television all the time. So I don't really get it unless maybe they're hearing it, but it seems very strange to me. So I don't, I don't know if that has been, uh, uh, busted at this point or debunked. Yeah. But yeah. So Hooch, Hooch is very helpful. He helps them solve the case. I mean, and, and <laughs> I mean, I don't. I just it's like it's very helpful. I love that. That's it. That well, the, the, that's a that's kind of you know that's kind of the perfect way to sum this up. Like, it's not about the crime story. The, the fact that it was taken seriously was enough for me. I don't remember any beats, but I didn't even remember if it was drugs or money. Uh, I thought there were like nice little things. Tom Hanks basically saying, you know, two weird things have ever happened in this town. $8,000 washes up on the beach and a guy is killed, probably connected. Uh, these little things were enough for me. It takes, you know, it ends with the shootout in a warehouse, which is where all, all these, these kind of movies end. Fish warehouses, um, yes. A, a fish, fish warehouse, generally. Yeah. <laughs> fish warehouse, fish, fish warehouse, fish warehouse, and and the you know the the big bad was ultimately the you know the cop, which was yeah something that any it, idiot would the, figure out from the moment they saw it, including my children. I do children. think that that this that you really can kind of suss out the level of action, crime action in this movie by the fact that a car chase ends at a fork in the road, like. They're yeah. chasing a car. Car goes one way. They go the other way. We lost them. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what I really loved. I really loved when they finally got Hooch under control that first time, and Hooch is walking home next to the police Outside, car. Yeah. Yeah. That was the moment where I'm like, "Oh, this this movie's playing on another level, guys." Can I also say when when Hooch destroys his house, I did think to myself, "I mean, this dog, we're done." Like if I came home. <laughs> And this dog, the moment that for me was when he destroys his fucking speakers. Like the dog is malicious. It feels like in terms of what he's trying to do to his house. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty insane. But you know, he, he gets over it. And it's, it's fine. I thought that the dog was just kind of a copycat. Like he, it's like when he was in the kitchen getting drunk. That's ET. Like there's so much of like the ET alone in yes. the house vibe. Yes. Yeah, there's a there's lot also, of ET in it. I mean, they yeah. wish, but yeah. Oh, snap. There's also <laughs> the the fact that the dog, that Hooch is able to use his head to bust through a door. That was insane that they let him do that. Do you know there was a stunt dog? There were two dogs that were Hooch, and then there was a third that was a stunt dog. I want to say his name was Ivan. Dog? Hmm? This is a just a headbutt dog, a dog that would just run into. I don't know. They had a stunt dog, but the other thing that I forgot to tell you guys, which I should have just like opened with. No, please. So Roger, the director, second director guy, spooling. 
Yeah, yeah Spottiswoods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he was I watched a video uh, interview of his then he was like he was speaking with the equivalent of like to go back to rom-coms and Notting Hill it, he was basically speaking to horse and hound like he was talking <laughs> about this movie to some canine whatever I don't know but he tells us that Hooch had in his contract that he would fly on a Lear jet to do press and he did. He See, did. How could you not love this actor? How can you not love What's this dog? Was this Hooch's first role? The balls on this guy. But he he understands. This like, wasn't Mars. This wasn't he's Mars in the title. Monkey. Oh god. No. He's number two on the call sheet, Kenny. Come on. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I need to know where I need to know dog, where Mare was dog, compared to Hooch. Dogs are dogs aren't on call sheets. I know, because my <laughs> dog was in an episode of Entourage. So, there you go. <laughs> what? Wait, give the plot points real quick. Uh, that my dog was. Yeah. Oh, this is all right. This, this is the, the truth. Is uh, my dog? We had just gotten him, so he was like a year old. And the plot points are: Ari is trying to woo. Oh, this is crazy. Ari is trying to woo Jessica Simpson as a client. Right? Does sure, anybody remember that, was. that yeah. Jessica Simpson's dog was eaten by a coyote? Yes. Uh, and and she had no dog. Yeah. So Ari uses my dog to try as to a gift to give wow. to Jessica Simpson, who's in the episode and accepts the dog as a gift for her to sign. That that's real. What a show! Made five hundred bucks. <laughs> 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 So we still get residuals to this day. That's Just amazing. You don't, no, you don't get dog residuals. <laughs> no, wait, dogs aren't on the call sheet. Dogs don't get residuals. Dogs, dogs don't get residuals. They should get, get a residual. union. What the fuck? But they do get a special handler. They do get a trailer. That's true. Um, he really got taken care of nicely. That's they get like they, they get the dog. They get you have to have a dog guy come on set, hang out with the dog all day, make sure the dog's ready to go. Uh, and it was great. It was really, it was really a great moment for for my dog. Probably the highlight of his life. Um, do we want to rate this? Yeah. Uh, so that. I'll go first. Uh, as I mentioned, I saw this in '89, and I, I, I really, I really did like it as a kid. I, I mean, I, I think I probably would have given it an eighty back in in '89. I think that I, you know, uh, I watched it more times than I clearly remember, um, and it, it brought back a lot of very nice memories watching it again. That being said, I see some more flaws in this film today than I did when I was nine or ten. Um, so it's it's down to like a I'm, I'm at a seventy now. I think that you know this is this is a, a I enjoyed this film. Um, I don't know that I would watch it again anytime soon, um, but there's enough in it that I that I liked that that yeah. I mean it's a it's a good movie. It's a sweet nice movie. I, I, so I don't you, know. It's not, it's, you you will never watch this movie again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that seemed like a threat, but okay. Uh, Toby, what do you got? Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I saw this in the theater when I was younger. I probably, I was very enthusiastic in general with film back then. And so I probably would have been like 85 or something super, super dumb. Um, after watching it, 
And then after this discussion, you guys made me realize a few things about how truly endearing it is at moments, but I'm still at like a 43. Wow. You wouldn't recommend this movie. Well, who am I talking to? Am I talking to like puppies well, that want to become are... detectives? Sure. Watch it. <laughs> well, 50 <laughs> is our general threshold in the sense that we say if you give it over a 50, that means you would recommend it to somebody. I would recommend this as a family movie, but it's it wouldn't be top of my list. No. You know what? No, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> That's no, fair. I wouldn't. Mm-mm. Hey, you, you, you got you to gotta live your truth. Which I'm about to do as well. You want to live my truth? I, uh, I'm going <laughs> to live my truth. Um, I, as 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 uh, aforementioned, I saw this film on an airplane. The experience stuck with me to some extent. It was a very negative experience. I thought this was a very very stupid movie uh, and a blight on society. I would have given it about a 19. Like really, I really thought this yeah. was like a horrible, okay. horrible. So like movie, like the kind of thing that like I wish never got made. Okay, I'm gonna be like give it something really stupid, like an 84, which is what I gave it. I give this movie an 84. I think it is awesome. I loved this movie. I I've now we've now done enough movies. We've done a lot of movies on this podcast. We've, we have over what over like oh, oh like 200 almost right over 200 for sure. Yeah. So we have some lovely person named Keith Allison who puts it on uh, a letterbox for us. And now I think about where it's going to be on my letterbox, like where it's gonna where it's gonna what what it's gonna be around. And uh, eighty four is where I put movies like this that I like truly enjoyed and like parts of me really loved and like anything I didn't like about it like just washed over me because it doesn't that doesn't matter. Um, my kids liked it. We've enjoyed our experience with it. I'm shocked to say this, but Turner and Hooch is a great film. I love this for you. I really do. I think you need this in your life. I think this this elevates a side of you that we don't always see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm, was, I'm happy. I'm happy that it's afraid the- you were going to say that I was deranged. But big deal. If I am, I am. (laughs) But I I also think like what what I love is that a film that that truly repulsed you. Yeah, it did. It repulsed has has turned like that's a corner to turn. That that a movie could be so repellent to you, and then now be something that you that you you know. Well, the love. weirdest thing I like this is the weirdest thing is I only I swear to God I only gave it. The time of day, not because of the podcast, you know, we're watching the movies, but but opened my mind to it because mm-hmm. I thought you liked it, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and had and had like had Phil been like Toby wants to come on and shit all over this movie, I wonder how I would have viewed it. But like, I was very open. I was very open minded, open hearted, like generous, and. Uh, and, and and it's it's interesting when you you watch a movie like that. Like I was watching a movie crafting arguments that would uh, that I thought would like play in concert with what oh, yeah. you were doing. I like this movie because of this. Like we like this movie together. 
And it's interesting when uh, going into a movie like that. Maybe I should watch all movies, assuming Toby likes them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it would be amazing. The extent of my power knows no bounds. Um, yeah. But I will say, yes, sir. No, I was just going to say, like, if you actually want to do that, if you want to watch the movies that you think I will like, but nobody else on earth likes, I got a long list of ones that are a hell of a lot better than this. Give me, give me a movie. You know, you said a couple, but I, I you said sure. Leap Year, and I know Trip Beverly Hills. And uh, give me a movie that you think uh, is actually a great movie that has either a negative cultural reputation or a neutral cultural reputation, or is you just all for, altogether forgotten? Okay, now. Yeah, yeah you got to do it right now. <laughs> Yeah. So the one that comes to mind, oh, is it a great movie, though? The one that comes to mind is the 1992 Melanie Griffith, Michael Douglas, Liam Neeson drama, Shining Through. Sure. Whoa. I love this movie. My sister and I watch this movie like we're like, it's our life source. Like I can't even begin to tell you how much I love this movie. And I don't know that it's great. I don't think it's horrible. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it is a product of like the time and place when it was born. Um, But most people have never heard of it. Never mind seen it. I've never heard of it. Can quote I've it. heard of it. I have not. I can see the poster in my eye, in my mind's eye, but I've never seen the film. So basically, the short version <laughs> is uh, World War II. Michael Douglas is a spy. He hire. We don't know that, but he is. Uh, he hires uh, Melanie Griffith as a as a um, secretary, and um, she basically ends up having to go be a spy. And um, in Europe, and I am really not selling this movie at all. It's um, this, this I, is what you get on the pay, from the paywall think, guy. I think you would get a the good out of it, Kenny. Instead of Our. like it, just because it's like there are parts of it, like it's so nineties. Like there's just parts of it where you're like, really, it's my shit. But then you're on board, yes. And um, oh, I really wish I had like rehearsed this part because my plea nope. for this. I mean, is so genuine, but it's so fraught right now. Um, Phil, do you, do you have an answer to this? Oh boy. Do I have a film that I love that is sort of maligned? Is that sort of, or like, <laughs> yeah, something that like, you know, your not, feelings so, so, aren't at the same level as the world's feelings, basically. And I, I think shining through, Sounds like a perfect example because it's not that fun for me if you pick if you pick something that like has its defenders that has a cult. Sure, you know something that where you know like because uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking and mm-hmm. actually I don't know if this fits into the the category. I have but one, a, but you go first. Movie I've watched a hundred thousand times that I absolutely love, know every single line, but I think people think is kind of nothing or they don't even know it or they don't care. Uh, yeah. is summer school with Mark Harmon. Like I fucking love that movie. I think the characters are so well drawn. I think the conflict is so clear. I think the relationships are so cool. I think Mark Harmon 
you know, Mr. Shoop is so fucking awesome. But like, I think people just think it's like off brand, lame ass John Hughes knockoff 90s, like pre Bill and Ted shit with no one in it. It's an Adam Sandler movie without Adam Sandler is what people think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But I'm it's, a big it's, Mark Harmon person. Stealing Home is like very pivotal in my life. I used to watch that flick worth winning too, uh, that he was in. Like there's, he, he, I mean, Kevin Costner probably is like my all time favorite actor. And Mark Harmon was almost to me like Kevin Costner's little brother. Like he, he did a lot of the same things to, for me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that my answer is totally right, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is a movie that I feel like a lot of people really, really hate. And I, I, I think there are a lot of problems with this movie just to be above board. But for whatever reason, I find it very watchable. Um, <laughs> Elizabethtown is a movie that... That's bold! I like that answer. I mean, I'm a Cameron Crowe, like, fanatic. Yeah, which, so. which is sort of why it kind of... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm an apologist for this movie because of what I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is what it could have been. Agreed. But I also think that the phone call at the center of the movie... Where, you know, which is like a good like 10 minute scene of them just like talking to each other on the phone. I just, the movie's fraught with problems. And yet for whatever reason, it kind of hits me in a way that I don't totally hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's my, that's my pick for, for, you know, movie that people hate that I would. People really do hate that movie. And yeah. I think I writing for really that movie is, is pretty fucking brave, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm hoping uh, to 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 uh, to go on. Uh, it had Oscar buzz for that one. That feels like uh, the, the definitely had Oscar buzz. That I that I really uh, I think that would be fun to do. But um, Toby, we're going to have you back in a couple weeks um, on the for a ninety niner on a ninety niner. Mm-hmm. She's coming on for Liberty Heights. Oh, nice! Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that because Kenny, you've seen the the four I've seen Baltimore three movies, right? Not okay. not uh, not Liberty Ten Men. Oh, um, okay. I've seen, the, I've seen the other three. I have never and seen Tin Men, so I'm looking and forward and to I, watching I that. Quite love them. I think, uh, I, 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 you know, Barry Levinson's not my not my number one guy. Made but, some great movies, but the I, I love the, I love that he basically made four movies about his childhood the way like Philip Roth wrote all these wrote all these books about totally. like growing up Jewish in America. It just has that same kind of like for me vibe um and those are my favorite like barry levinson and movies. and who else could we bring on for perhaps the the <laughs> most jewish movie um but you know our resident second I mean, most second most yeah. jacob the liar is the most jewish yeah that's probably the most oh, jewish, yeah, i don't want to do that one guys <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we could talk about it in this episode and then be done with it could we like? I don't. I, I just don't. You want to do five it. minutes on Jacob the Liar no, inside no, the Phil, Liberty Heights no, episode? No, we're doing it. Maybe we will even like it. <laughs> you know uh, what, Kenny? But, Toby yeah. loves it. <laughs> Toby loves it. <laughs> that would be. That's the, the new mantra. I'm going to text you every time before yeah, we do a movie that you haven't seen. Be like, Toby loves it. Loves it. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> I just I, I just didn't like the idea of arguing with you, and lo and behold, like we went, we didn't wind up arguing, of course, but uh, lo and behold, like we did wind that, up. Uh, well, you know, I'm not above arguing. I love to argue, but like, <laughs> you just know when you're going to lose. 
That's right. I just don't want, I just don't want to be humiliated on uh, on Patreon radio. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I'm excited I, to. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about the Baltimore movies with you, Toby, mm-hmm. the, the Barry Levinson four Baltimore movies. Um, I haven't seen Liberty Heights since 99. I remember liking it fine, but it didn't leave much of an impression. So I'm curious as to how it holds up. I've never seen it. Um, and I'm excited to, I'm going to, I don't know about you, Kenny, but once we're out of our Bruckheimer movies, we're on the other side of that. I do want to watch the, I'm going to definitely watch Tin Men and Avalon. I'm going to watch all again too. Um, I mean, I remember watching, I, I, I remember running them like the year I moved out here. So we're talking, you know, sure, 16 sure. years ago. I mean, I, I saw Diner, I want to say within the last probably six to eight months, um, and loved it. So I'm, I'm excited to, to, to keep going. And, and I haven't seen Avalon in a million years. I think yeah, I have the closest connection to Avalon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, to talk Levinson and talk about being Jewish in Baltimore, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for being here, Toby, and talking about your favorite cop and dog movie. <laughs> I mean, it's your favorite cop and dog movie, right? I, I, I would have to do some she's, research. She's combing her brain trying to think of one other one so this doesn't have to be the favorite. I just, I mean, I don't know. I had to have to revisit K-9 and... I'm sure no, there's that. some like subplot in one of the Beethoven movies where there's a crime. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, there is. Toby. You're I right. apologize. That, that was, that's what Beethoven's you know. about. I'm not kidding. Uh, it, what it about Clifford the Big Red Dog? Crime, you know? yeah. No crime. No crime. Hello, Charles um, Gordon. Okay. Well, um, thank you, guys. Thank you for you being know, here. You know, it's funny you should say that because I didn't bring it up. Midnight Run is <laughs> this. <laughs> it's a very similar vibe. It me. really is. I mean, it Midnight really Run is. is is the perfect eighties movie and the perfect death fun. threats. <laughs> from our fifty Patreon subscribers, you're going to get death threats from people. I mean, people love Midnight Run, dude. Oh, I I just said it's the perfect eighties movie and the perfect buddy cop movie, even though neither one of them is cop. But uh, I love Midnight Run. That's mm-hmm. my point. But the the it set up the paradigm of these, you know, the the mismatched buddies who aren't like partners, like the weapon. And that's what they're playing on here. So um, who's Turner and who's Hooch? I mean, Midnight obviously Grover is Turner. Turner's De Niro. I mean, right. Tur- Tur- Turner's the one trying to get the job done. And no, but the, I mean, up- you not- the uptight guy yeah, is Yeah, but the uptight one is, is... It doesn't matter if he's uptight. He's the, he's the wild card. Have you not seen this movie? He's the wild I saw it for the first time, like, I don't know, three months it's ago. It's the best. Now I'm out this Martin but like he, it's the best, and like Grodin is the best in that movie because he is this uptight accountant who's a total. Yeah, he's so smart, but he's a total fucking wild card. It's an awesome flick. My favorite, I, I loved it. Charles Grodin performance, and I'm sure the three people who are listening have already tuned out, so I can say this with confidence. Have you ever seen Heart and Souls? I thought you were going to say that. And I like Heart and Soul. So I love that movie as a kid. Lovely in that I was going to say Clifford. I was going to run through the wall. Wait, he did Clifford <laughs> and Beethoven? Clifford with Martin Short. Clifford is oh. not Clifford the Big Red Dog. It's Clifford the the, the big boy man, thirteen year old. <laughs> Martin Short plays a thirteen year old. A movie I despise. And you want to know what? I might go turn her new shot it if we watch it again. I might, might turn it around. Yeah, but Toby does Toby not love it. that one. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, like, 
Martin Short, Martin Short as a 13-year-old boy is the stuff of nightmares for me personally. But uh, people like that. There are people. Ben Hosley loves it. Ben Hosley loves it. But but yeah, that makes sense. Ben Hosley runs a blank check he's, podcast. He's, he's their kidding. producer. He's, he's, he's a podcast producer on another podcast that we have great affinity and respect for. <laughs> he, and he was a past and hopefully future guest. And he was a guest. He, he on came show, on yeah. for uh, for your favorite movie, Kenny and Julian, Julian Donkey, Donkey Boy. Boy. I was you thinking about him today because when, I mean, now I'm really going off. But when he, so Ben Hosley, I think we told the story on the podcast, so we're not telling tales out of school. But when Ben Hosley, the best, uh, we Phil and I were both in New York for a weekend, so we, we booked a couple of shows in New York, and we were using Ben Hosley's studio because he ran the studio. He's a you know, pretty prominent podcast uh, guy, but he's also you know he's also like you know like kind of a, a, a wild card lunatic from like rural New Jersey who like is trying to start a gene brand where he buries jeans in dirt and digs them up five years later. Uh, and so he's literally them. doing that Toby. called buried denim. He's a wonderful guy. I love him. So, Super nice so we set this, this podcast up, we did three in a row and Ben Hosley uh, shows up to his own podcast studio, which is locked. It's a Saturday. So we're sitting outside by the elevator banks with our other guest, Karen Hahn, who I think was on what, two weeks ago. And um, he shows up and he goes, I'm sorry. I'm a monster man. I'm a donkey boy. <laughs> donkey boy. We called him donkey boy. We're doing it. I I thought he was wonderful. It was great. I was Here's so what's great. I, I I want to just say this though for a little bit of context, uh, Toby. We get there. We're sitting in the hallway. It's Saturday. We're sitting outside a locked office. I get a text message from Ben where he's like, "Oh shit, I forgot. I'll be there in an hour." Yeah. Okay. With, with, Karen, with Karen Hahn, who neither of us had ever met. Never met before. And sat in the hallway. By the way, lovely spending an hour with Karen Hahn. She Amazing. was the best. Cool. It could not have been better. Uh, and then we ultimately, we were going to do three episodes and we kind of jammed Fantasia 2000 and uh, Julian Donkey Boy into one episode. David Sims shows up best to do his episode. All right. It's the best. Anyway. We got to roll. I could tell Toby if Toby's if Toby's losing interest on the podcast she's on, the listeners are probably <laughs> like going to be more out. Listen, guys, uh Toby you're the best. We oh. can't wait to have you back on in a couple weeks to talk about Liberty Heights. Thank it's you guys. Great. And always we really, really love you for coming on to talk about Turner and Hooch with us. Well, it's my favorite, yeah. of course. Hey, thank you for thank you for biting the bullet. <laughs> All right. uh, thank you guys so much. Baby fish mouth!